Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legends and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time, so... Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Fearscape here on 100.9 FM WCHQ, as well as the Destination Nation Network. Thank you guys for tuning in for your weekly dose of everything scary and spooky and weird and paranormal and all that goodness gracious. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my host uh, with the most, Josh Rutledge. What up, everybody? And we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, one of our very closest friends finally gets on the stage with us here, the radio stage. Uh, Thorny, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you are very sharp. That's why they call you Thorny. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for joining us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite hauntings of all time. This is uh, the Smurl family haunting. This is one made popular uh, due to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, I love this. I read the book years ago. I found it somewhere. I'm not sure where I found it, like at a yard sale or something, because it was out of print for a long time until the Conjuring movies came back up. Uh, but I found this book, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I sent it to my sister. She's read it, and it's just it's a true account, according to them, that is absolutely frightening about a demon that inhabited their home. Uh, so we will get into that in just a moment, uh, because first, we need to go ahead and get into some spooky news you ready for some spooky news thorny oh yeah (laughs) so good so good so yeah let's get into spooky news so uh i got this from the new york post okay and this might even fit into the news that i brought up a few weeks ago uh, this Nobel Prize winner believes that we could discover alien life within 30 years. Hmm. Hmm. 
So uh, this article says humanity will make contact with alien life far sooner than you might think, according to one prominent scientist. Nobel Prize winner Professor Didier Qualez says he's convinced we're not alone in the universe and that he believes that we will find life on another planet within 30 years. The Swiss astronomer, who's 53 years old, works at the University of Cambridge and was one of the three scientists to be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in physics this week. So we just were still yeah. getting all of the, the prize winners. This is one of the guys. Oh. Speaking in London on Tuesday, he said, I cannot believe that we are the only living entity in the universe. There are just way too many planets, way too many stars, and the chemistry is universal. He says the chemistry that led to life has to happen elsewhere as well. He also added that he's certain that alien life will have been detected from Earth within the next century. However, he said it's realistic that a machine capable of detecting biochemical activity on distant planets will be built probably before then within 30 years. Currently, scientists know of a number of so-called exoplanets, worlds outside of our solar system that could harbor life. We just talked about that yep, as yep, well. Yep. Um, and a machine that detects biochemical activity from afar would grant experts the ability to find life at great distances. Once built, it's likely only a matter of time until we get a positive hit. Uh, so, yeah, man, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's so pretty it's like exciting. One of the episodes we did um, about the, I think it might have been the Phoenix Light, we were talking about, you know, whether or not we think that they'll find life elsewhere. Yeah, and then we talked about um, in our the, lifetime, the, 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 the new moons found. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That we didn't even know existed. Twenty, what did it say? Twenty new moons, yeah. and Saturn now has the most count for moons, right? Uh, because of that, um, they say here that more than four thousand exoplanets have since been found in the Milky Way alone, and scientists think that one out of every four or five stars have planets. Um, they say that uh, there's two hundred billion stars out there in our galaxy, so our chances are good. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> and then not too long ago, I mean, maybe a couple weeks ago, they found that. Uh, we we actually talked about it I think on the show as part of uh, Spooky News about the uh, the exoplanet that's a little bit bigger than Earth but it actually they found water vapor in the atmosphere so oh yeah 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 um, so I I think that within our lifetime we're gonna see yeah. quite a, some really cool stuff um, especially if we get into the idea that. Um, uh, we can start limiting our aging by growing just exponentially, like right. aging, like that, uh, you know, with the medication that's coming out. They, there are some scientists that believe that they have found the cure to age, um, you know, but these are fringe scientists and things like that. But yeah. who knows? Who knows? We could be living up to 200 years. We could be Methuselah. <laughs> I know that um, Google has done a lot of research around the aging process. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely, I think it's probable. And if you think about um, how far we've come in technology in just the last 50, 60 oh, years. Yeah, we're moving I at... Mean, we are moving at a faster rate than anything historians well, have ever seen. So there's, there's actually a law around it. It's called Moore's Law, um, and it says that technology will double itself every two years. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, <clears throat> if you kind of look at that, then that's... So it's been. Um, <clears throat> think about it this way: the the computers in the um, in the uh, spacecraft that took men to the moon. There's more computing power in a Tex Texas Instruments calculator, calculator yeah. than there was in the in those capsules that took men to the moon. So yeah, and they had 
hundreds of people <laughs> like right. working, right, you know. Right, right, yeah. Now, I mean, you could you could just program that stuff in. I mean, yep. it's like it's so simplified. I mean, now think about this too. The the very first personal computer that you could buy up your house um, came with no onboard storage, and it had 16 kilobytes of RAM. Now your phone has 256 gigabytes of storage. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, yeah, just yeah. So who knows what the next ten years, let alone thirty, yeah, is going to bring? Let alone. I mean, yeah. But anyways, let's get out of that. That was spooky news. Uh, so I think we kind of discussed this ahead of time. I don't think that anybody has any creepy catch-up. Did you have anything, Josh? I don't have any creepy catch-up. Do you have anything creepy happen to you over the last couple weeks? Uh, just some food I ate the other night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, you win this round and don't get to hear the... Uh, hear the uh, theme song i know you're listening <laughs> um so no theme song for you you jerk uh but we could just play it anyway yeah oh, <laughs> i might do that i might do that yeah all right we're gonna do that here's the creepy catch-up theme creepy catch-up creepy catch-up creepy catch-up creepy catch-up y'all it's creepy and that was the theme suck it brad uh, so, anyways, uh, outside. Of I don't that, even know. I don't even know Brad. I'm sorry, Brad. <laughs> don't no. Don't 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 don't. He hates my theme song that I created, and I loved it. And he gave me poop about it all the time online or on here. Uh, Josh loves it. We we dance to it. So. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Josh, I'm I'm ready to get into this. Uh, like I said, we've got Thorny here, a good friend, a lifelong friend. Uh, for both of us, um, a very another big Trekkie. Uh, we won't spend an hour talking about Trek no. like we did on Josh's first episode. No. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, you know, very interested and intrigued by the paranormal as well, aliens and ghosts, and what is it? Right, the big question mark. Um, so, but yeah, we're in October, so this is Halloween month, uh, yep. according to my beliefs. This is when the veil is the thinnest between the worlds of life and death. Though uh, I've seen something else recently where they were talking about that uh, a lot of sightings tend to happen around this time of year as well. So that when the veil is at its thinnest, that multidimensional beings are also able to cross. That's oh. something that mm. I saw. That a lot of Bigfoot sightings and a lot of that stuff happen around this time mm. as well. Interesting. So, very interesting. Around be- They said between like August and November, like a lot of sightings happen. So, but anyways, yeah. So we're going to be, um, you know, we're hitting monsters. We hit monsters of the Bible already. Um, we hit. What did we just do? Um, uh, the, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bathory, Bathory. Yeah. yeah, Countess Blood. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. And uh, so we're gonna hit ghosts this time around. So we're gonna get into the Smurl haunting. So let's rock and roll. All right. So um, yeah, the Smurl family haunting. So w- just a kind of a, a quick, a quick uh, synopsis. Uh, real short paragraph here. They moved into a house. Things got scary. They tried to run. Ghosts wouldn't let them. In came the Jesus ghost hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren in the Catholic Church. And they said, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Right? Is that pretty much? That's, uh, yeah, that's a pretty good um, um, sum, sum up of. Uh, that's a Hazard County version for all yeah. of our Hazard County listeners. <laughs> I My family's from Hazard County, man. Exactly. There you go. Oh, spooky. 
Boogie. So yeah, so uh, this all took place from 1974 to 1987. Uh, basically, the Smurls uh, bought a fixer-upper um, and uh, went to work on it, and uh, then the uh, the poop hit the fan. Uh, <laughs> what a mess! If if they had uh, fans, I don't know, but um, yeah. So this also, like you said, this involves uh, you know Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, so yeah, so we'll just jump in. The most it. famous ghost hunters and demonologists ever. Yeah, yeah. So, ever. and I've got you know I like I I want to make sure that I talk about it a little bit too when we get to, towards the end, uh, but there are some arguments against this. Being yeah, please. I am always all about a yeah. skeptical view um, of listeners that are here to show as much as we want to believe. We also don't want to be steered wrong. Right. So, all right. So, <clears throat> jumping into it here, we've got some. Uh, so, basically, what happened is there's a flood damage um, that forced uh, uh, the uh, uh, Smurl family to move from their uh, Wil- Wilkes Bar home. And so they moved into. The uh, Chase Street Duplex in West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Mm. That sounds like a really happening place. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> I, w- I, I wonder if they have an In and Out Burger there. Uh, I doubt it. It's in Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, this is in Northeast Pennsylvania, so literally near nothing. Yeah. Wow. They probably literally they, near nothing. They might have a sh- have a stoplight. Might maybe being the key word there. It's there, there is a uh, greater Pittson area. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow! Maybe, so, maybe there's a grocery store there. So uh, let me tell you that the population as of 2010 is 4,868. And if you're living there, we just want to say we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you may like it. Yeah. Yeah. So to all, all right. of our Pitts, West Pittson listeners, right? Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, so they uh, it's fixer upper. They put their efforts into repainting, retooling, repairs, um, and it, it, basically around this time that the eerie activity began. Now, though, something really interesting here is that, and I've seen this in my own experiences, and I think other people have reported it as well, is you could have um, uh, ghosts or hauntings kind of go dormant, right? Yes. And then you come in and you start doing all kinds of activity, and mm-hmm. and it stirs things up. And so that's kind of consistent, you know, here with what I've seen with other places as well. Yeah. And this was not a small family. Um, they moved in with them, uh, their daughters, as well as uh, their whose parents was it? Uh, Jack's parents. So uh, and Jack a, and Janet Smurl here. Jack's parents also right. moved in. So and they had a dog as well. Yes. And they had a dog. So, I mean, here's a lot of energy plus, you know, youngster energy, which is something that stor- stirs up paranormal supernatural energy quite frequently. Most poltergeist team seem to be um, around 13 to 16 year olds. Yep. So, so this this next little piece that I found and I, I, I found this really interesting because of the experience that um uh, Steve Stanix uh, shared yeah. when he was on. So <clears throat> um, it basically says that initially, you know, things were kind of benign. You know, tools went missing and then reappeared. You know, talking about, you know, when Steve was on, he talked about he would lay something on the mm-hmm. table and then it would disappear. And then and show, then back, up show like back up like a week up. later. Right. Yeah. So um, old wall stains uh, seeped through fresh coats of paint. There's actually a um, mansion here in Kentucky 
I can't remember the name of it. A uh, friend of mine, she would know. Uh, but blood would seep through the walls there. No matter how much they paint, this red stain would continue to hmm. come through in areas of the house. So. But, um, and yeah, then, so I found this very odd. Kitchen appliances caught fire even though they weren't plugged in. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's that's a whole nother level of energy control. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, if it's not plugged in, I mean, you can't even justify it. Right. I mean, I, I know we've heard of like, you know, I mean, again, in my own experiences, I've had, you know, lights come on. Sure. The organ come on. But those things are all plugged in. They already have power going right. through them. And there are some uh, things, I think, more alien centric that when UFOs or aliens get near objects, yeah. they'll turn on whether they're plugged in or not just because of the energy source the energy, around yeah, them. In the air. Yeah, yeah. in the air will yeah. we'll start them. Exactly. Uh, it goes on to say that uh, awful odors overwhelm the house. That tends to be a very demonic presence. Awful odors, the smell of death or the smell of sulfur. Sulfur. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was about to ask sulfur if, mm -hmm. if that was something. That, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then it says only to disperse moments later. So either somebody ate some bad tacos, yeah, or a lot know. of pork, <laughs> a lot of pork. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. You want a real horror story? Years ago, at uh, my friend David, who was on the show a couple weeks back, uh, Santosh at his at his house, we had a barbecue, and I ate so much meat, so much meat that I was burping up sulfur for like two three days oh, like I've, that taste yeah. of sulfur i mean i've had those sulfur burps before yep. they're they're, uh, they're pretty, awful they're pretty you, rotten you oh. had the meat sweats and bubble gut probably oh man like you beyond all recognition i ate so much meat because i was like i ain't even bothering with vegetables <laughs> so <laughs> although this is meat. interesting i'm not really sure this is what our listeners tune in to hear about <laughs> <laughs> thanks dad um no but anyways yeah so, you know, the, the Smurl family just uh, soldiered on. You know, they were going to make the best of the situation. Um, so, you know, Jack was promoted at his job. Um, he was also doing, uh, you know, his daughter's uh, softball coach. Like they just tried to not let it get right, to them. not let it bother them. Yeah. You know, Janet um, um, got pregnant again. Um, she worked on doing some stuff at the local high school. Um, the girls really did well at their... Um, uh, studies. The in-laws were happy, um, but then things kind of took a turn. So um, the uh, Smurls actually ran into like a little bit of a rough patch. Right. They were having some difficulties making ends meet. Uh, Which already I can see the skeptics jumping on. Oh this. yeah. Oh yeah. So Mary, uh, Jack's mother, uh, suffered a heart attack. Um, and around that time, the ghostly visits uh, intensified. Uh, so Mary and Janet uh, claimed to have perceived voices that sounded like one another. So, like, Janet thought that she heard her mother-in-law calling her name. Right. While Mary thought that she heard Janet and Jack in the throes of argument. <laughs> <laughs> laden with explicitives. Ex yes. Um, but, so, so, you know, it says here, ominous black masses formed and floated throughout the home. Um, Janet said she was visited in the dead of night by a malevolent force that molested her in her sleep. Right. And this is where it gets dark. Yeah. Um, and some of these are, you know, classic signs of demonic presence. I mean, that's ghosts don't tend to, especially the black, uh, the black, um, 
masses, masses that they would see. Yep. Uh, just those things, the smell of sulfur, yeah. the smell of death, those things tend to be associated classically in paranormal investigations as demonic. Well, and so this, you know, this kind of lends back again to another uh, listener story that we had from uh, Miss Stafford, Stephen yeah. Stanick's mo- uh, mother, around some of the stuff that she has going the on. Shadow around, figure, the yeah, shadow figure, yeah, that has held her down and held her down and mm-hmm. stuff. So, <coughs> so again, you know, really ties in with close to home for a lot of folks that have either been on the show or listened to the show. Right. It, I mean, it's it's like anything. It's 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 a it's a control move. I mean, demons, if they exist, they want that control. They want that fear. They want that energy. They yep. want that. And um, rape, whether it be physical or incorporeal, is still a power thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <coughs> so, um, uh, next up... Uh, Jack started getting uh, So I want to point this out before we even get there because I, you know, I know the story backwards and forwards and I know the skeptics' views. Stuff was happening long before it happened to Jack. Yeah. Just want to throw that out there. Right. So um, Jack was laying in bed with Janet. Uh, he heard someone whispering. A, he said it seemed, it seemed like a young woman. When he turned to face his wife he watched the shadowy figure run up her leg. After that night, life in the Smurl house grew darker. A light fixture fell from the ceiling, cutting one of the daughters on impact. The family dog was thrown against the wall. Janet said she was picked up by an invisible presence dangling some six feet in the air and then tossed across the room. Jack claimed a succubus entered the living room and raped him while a baseball game played on the TV. So succubus is a female version of essentially an energy-sucking vampire, essentially. Incubus is the male version, um, and their whole thing is to feed off of your energy. He must have been watching the Yankees. (laughs) 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 So... Um, it, you know, it says that even neighbors reported hearing screams from the house while the family was out. Um, so, you know, nobody's at home. You're out trimming the hedges, and you hear screams inside the house. I mean, it, you know. It, you know, and, and it, to play on the non-skeptic side of things, it slowly made its way using these two women first building that energy to get stronger and stronger to the point where it reaches everyone and all of that fear energy, all of that um, probably, you know, you're making things up, guilt energy, fighting energy, all of those things just feed it and feed it. I mean, it feeds off of energy. That's why when there is a spirit or anything like that, um, the room will get cold, you know, like it sucks literally the heat out of the room. So, I mean, it just that that's why that does it. I mean, it's literally right. taking the energy out of the room. That's why batteries drain and all kinds of things right. like that. Um, but continuing on, the Smurls were so absolutely terrified that they contacted a self-taught demonologist duo, Ed and Lorraine Warren. After inspecting the house, Lorraine Warren, who is a very incredibly talented clairvoyant with several well-known paranormal investigations under her belt, concluded that the Smurls shared their home with four spirits, a harmless elderly woman, a young and possibly violent girl, a man who suffered and died in the home, 
and the worst yet, a demon that used the other three spirits to destroy the Smurl family. So, you know, <clears throat> talking about um, residual or even, what's the other one, not residual? Intelligent. Intelligent. Mm-hmm. So, in, in both cases, they have to they have to summon energy in the space mm-hmm. in order to make themselves known. It's, it's interesting because they took this concept and um, they used this in The Conjuring 2, um, whereas the ghost of the house was used by a demon. Okay. Um, it was just an old man who just wanted to be left alone. He was in his chair. You don't find out, of course, you know, towards towards the end. That's where the nun shows up. Um, but this demon was using that spirit to attack this family, much like here, like the Warren said, and which both are a Warren's case, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, that's it's. I'm starting to see a lot more of that into our research. Um, into hauntings and things like that over the years. Like, I'm starting to see that that's something that I'd never thought of was a demon possessing a spirit. Well, and it's almost like they're basically using those spirits as, like, batteries. Yeah, like batteries or even vessels. Not not vessels, but, yeah, like something to command, like a puppet. Well, I, I was even thinking more along the lines of um, because those uh, spirits or, uh, or, you know, whether they be intelligent or... Um, now I lost the other one. Residual. Residual. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Whether they be the two types of, of hauntings, mm-hmm. um, because they have to conjure the en- energy to do to to do their activities, um, they're they're little, literally just walking around batteries of uh, of energy. And so if a you know if a demon walks in and or comes in and wants to take you know make use of that of that energy, then they're, they're right there for the for the taking. So yeah, so this is also um, years after Amityville. So which of course is Ed and Lorraine Warren's most famous case. Um, so they are definitely popular. And so having to reach out to Ed and Lorraine brought a lot of media yeah. coverage oh, yeah. to this. So um, and, and we'll get into that a little bit uh, a little here in just a little bit. But so it goes on to say that. Group prayer sessions, uh, several exorcisms were conducted, yet the attacks continued. Um, so the Smurls uh, did, I guess, probably what they thought was their last resort, which was to ask the public mm-hmm. if there's anything that the public knows. Yeah, the, the, the church, even to this day, is still really, really bad about helping in these instances, though the Catholic Church is known to. They, they have rights for this kind of stuff. They are, because of things like Amityville and the Exorcist movie and just things like that, they are very hesitant to do so. Uh, you know, and I, I, I don't know if other denominations do exorcism. Um, not sure. But uh, I know I know there are people that do exorcisms um, yeah. that are not sanctioned by the Catholic Church. Um, and John Constantine. John Constantine for sure <laughs> um, and and that you know and other religions definitely have their own styles of exorcisms so you definitely see um, especially in Asia and Africa yes uh, exorcisms happening outside of the Catholic Church um, by other denominations um, you know skeptics say uh, that this individual was given a zombie 
drug, basically, to right. make them look like they've, mm-hmm. they've died, to slow their heart down to where you can't tell if they're alive or not. Um, but certainly, I mean, there are other denominations and religions that do perform those. Um, I think part of the reason maybe why um, the church may shy away from that is because of the media coverage. They don't want mm-hmm. all that press and publicity. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those things that uh, I think a lot of churches, especially the Catholic Church, especially these days, because the Catholic Church is in the news a oh, lot. All the time. Um, and, well, and, it, and it brings about questions of the afterlife, right. you know, which, you know, because there are some people that do want to find out that ghosts are real because it is a proof. Uh, Harry Houdini was huge trying to find right. that out right. because it proves the afterlife right. what, or no matter what. And but it doesn't fit into some religions and some denominations idea of what the afterlife right, is, right? right? And so yeah, I mean there's there's got to be a lot of fear on all all areas, especially with what you just said with the Catholic Church. Right, right. Sure. Absolutely. So yeah, so they so they went public. Um, and uh, they basically got more than they bargained for. Yeah. Um, the press latched on and uh, you know it goes on to say you're like a malicious spirit refused to leave yeah just between like when their when their stuff started to when it ended for them when all this stuff with Ed and Lorraine this was like a golden age for um, hauntings and just paranormal stuff in the media it was a golden age I mean even like around this time you've got Geraldo really pushing things um Stuff like that, but this is all the alien abductions we've yeah. talked about. So many of them happened in the mid to late seventies. So much stuff. The satanic panic was happening right, in the late seventies, right, early eighties. Right, right. I mean, this was big news right. at the time. Now you don't see it. Now you just get a fluff piece every Halloween talking about the local haunted house. I mean, you just this stuff now gets pushed back to coast to coast AM. Yeah. Like well, and it's and you us. know, and part of that is probably too that. So many people today are looking for headlines, and they don't think that right. a, ha- a haunting or something like this is going to drive yep. enough viewership or readership or whatever the case may be. So. Well, you know, it is also, too, that, uh, and I agree with what you said, Josh, that um, Im- information distribution looks different these days than it did for back sure. then. For sure. You know, with the onset of the Internet, you can find anything anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. Yes. I mean, we do. <laughs> right. I mean, you we can look get, for spooky news. You can get alerts into your remote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the major news networks, the, they've got to really get something that's going to draw. Right? Yeah. Right. right. I, mean, so I mean, at this point, especially I think. Especially the 24-hour nurse. Yeah, right, I mean, I think right, we would right. have to have, like, you know, an alien or something laying on the front lawn in order for it to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, or even then a demon to blow up the White House, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> with his demon hands. Or Elvis comes back for his return tour. Yes, yeah. I would go. Yes. Yeah, Rolling Stones would probably cover that, though. Yep. So. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, it, you know, from what I found here, it says, you know, basically oddballs. Oh, yeah. Camped out in the front of their house. Can you imagine? Oh, no, I can't imagine, uh, especially back then. So you don't have cable. You don't. Right. Well, 86, no, there was cable, cable. but it not like now. I mean, there was still they were like, we need stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the cable with like the box with the slide, with the slide <laughs> on it. Oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> huh? Or you could press A, B and get a yeah, different channel. <laughs> yes, the A, B switch. Yes. So. But I can't imagine, you know, it, you talk about the oddball. It, I can't imagine 
and you mentioned this earlier, Stefan, about the people who wanted proof mm-hmm. showing up and asking, like, okay, I, I need to have, I need to have this. Mm-hmm. I need this. They, there are people. There are people that lost loved ones, and they want proof to know that their loved one is still out there and that they could possibly connect with them now sure, sure. because they can't let go. Yeah, well, for sure. To, to give anybody a kind of a visual aid, if you think about the movie uh, The Right Stuff, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there are several scenes where they're, you know, they're waiting for various astronauts to, to launch into space, and the press is just, you know, granted, now this is all taking place in the 60s, but <clears throat> the press is just, you know, camped out, you know, all kinds of news trucks are sitting out on the front street, they're, you know, they can't open the windows because the press is trying to, you know, take a picture of the wife of an astronaut so just imagine that scene but then you add into it all the the kookiness of right because this is something that is considered fringe uh you know because it still happens media still attacks anything that's in the news and they will hang out there outside of your lawn right and you can't take your kids to school like if you know your brother did something right Right. you know it's just crazy to me and then you've got these people right and they've got cameras flashing reporters everywhere people just cruising like honking and in their cars i mean the streets packed just yeah trying to get a glimpse of something yeah yeah you know and so the smurl family they just found themselves in the middle of this media circus so, you know, he goes on to say here that, uh, you know, representatives from the Roman Catholic Church in Scranton uh, were uncertain as to what might be causing the activity. Multiple priests visited the Smurls to bless their home. They reportedly encountered no harmful activity while on the property. In 1986, an area priest actually moved into the household, hoping to witness the demonic forces firsthand, but nothing stirred. After two nights without issue, he left. So this kind of goes into uh-huh. a lot of that kind of the arguments against, which we're going to get to in here a little bit. But this is kind of one of those things where, um, you know, those uh, skeptics are going to look at this and say, hey, well, here's somebody who moved into the house and had no experiences. Yeah, and that, and that happens. A lot of local ghost hunter groups will go in and find nothing. Nothing will happen. I think Jen, Jennifer Bear, who um, was on our show with the Santa Cruz house, she talked about that. Like, she had some crazy stuff happen. And, like, the first group that came in, nothing happened. It was like they knew that they were coming. You know what I mean? It was like, nope. But then the next group right, just was just, they ran, you know, because of the things that they found and heard and, and saw. And it's like it decided, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to get these ones. But, I right. mean, if it's intelligent. Yeah. I mean, if there's a priest in there, the last thing I'm going to. If I'm an evil spirit and I know that a priest can take me out, the last thing I'm going to do is show myself. Though I know demons like to mock, but still. Yeah. Well, and also it also makes you wonder, talking about, you know, we talked a lot before about uh, energy usage and things like that. Mm-hmm. If, if you're um, coming into, uh, you know, I don't know the mood of the priest who came and stayed, but. If his mood was one of skepticism, more than likely, um, then perhaps that was not the right type of energy for this entity to leverage. Sure, right? and I don't think everyone has the ability to see. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think it is something that can be turned on. Um, I uh, uh, so I take that back. I think we all have the ability. Uh, it's just whether or not it's turned on. Whether or not we're willing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and you you guys hinted at this earlier about. Um, demons feeding off of fear mm-hmm. 
um, as a religious person, you know, I could say for myself that I've had experiences where I have been afraid of something, you know, your heartbeat starts mm-hmm. elevating and everything, you get the sweats and stuff. And there's a good chance that the priest just walked in with no fear yeah. whatsoever. For sure. I mean, he's he's got the power of God on his side, right? right, right? right. You know, and he probably also doesn't believe that it's real. Right. Um, but uh, we'll continue on here because... The Smurls at that point, they expressed their exhaustion over the incessant media scrutiny. They couldn't take it anymore. And so in 1987, they packed up and they left the duplex. They were gone. Can't blame them. Yeah, I can't blame them either. You know, they were gone. But guess what? The supernatural phenomena, it reportedly followed them to their new home until a church-sanctioned exorcism in 1989 cleared the house of its activity. So, and this is something that uh, Stanek's mother was talking about. Yep. You know, that it followed her to the new house. Well, yeah. And things like that. That And that, that is something that you hear, that it, that it will follow family. Um, it, you know, it, it'll either stay at the new place and haunt the next people. Or it'll follow. If it likes your energy, it's going right. to go. It's going to attach itself well, it's to you. It's like a buffet line, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, but yeah, um, so they, you know, they went on, um, you know, experts, priests, television producers, journalists, they've scrutinized the story, um, I- including a journalist, Robert Curran, and the Warrens themselves. Now, there was actually a, uh, a book uh, written. It's called The Haunted One Family's Nightmare. It is available on Amazon as well as audible.com. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. It, it, it's, it scared me more than any fiction book I've ever read. Seriously. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> now, <coughs> many uh, reviewers have said that the book is one-sided. Um, and that the uh, the explanations or the research was not very well done by the Warrens, and there wasn't any uh, basis of comparison. So you know, again, that gets into some kind of some of the arguments against, which I guess we can uh, jump into. Yeah. So to. you know, were the experiences legitimate? Were they fabricated? Um, to this day, only the Smurls really know um, whether it was a spiritualist or skeptic or one that can't deny the strangeness of their tale. But, you know, the family that came in after never experienced anything. But like they said, it followed them. So, right. I mean, I so myself. So some of the things that kind of jump out at me and just reading kind of the story mm-hmm. is initially right off the bat. I hear it's a fixer upper and. Any fixer-upper that I've ever seen usually has an electrical problems. Yeah. And we know that EM fields can cause all kinds of things to to go weird with the human brain. Sure. Um, so to me, you know, a, as a kind of a skeptic who wants to believe, um, that's that's the one thing that I kind of jump out, that jumps out at me rather in the very beginning is the fact that, you know, they're, they're doing this in, the, in a very old house. Right, so if it's a fixer-upper in 1974, right, means that I mean we don't have the information on how old the house was, but I mean it it had to be old enough that it was a fixer-upper. You right. know what I mean? Like right. I can't imagine 20 years somebody would have destroyed a brand new house. So. so yeah, I mean, so you know, 
you know, some of the arguments uh, against or the, the skeptics against. So we've got Professor Paul Kurtz of State University of New York at Buffalo, the then chairman of the Committee for Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. That's a long... That is, and it doesn't <laughs> even, like, say anything clever. It's Kasika... Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. he was the uh, chairman of Kasikapik. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, he, you know, he goes on to say that the Warrens weren't objective, independent, or impartial investigators and characterized the Smurls' um, claims as a hoax, a charade, a ghost story. Of course, though. I mean, they always do, if it's not from a legit scientific background that they deem necessary that it's never considered impartial right right it's it gets back to the um uh, the 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 lack of evidence of hard evidence right Right. so you have you you think about um i'm probably going to say this wrong but when you're when when like police and people are working on a case eyewitness testimony is taken at face value mm-hmm. because especially if people if it's been several hours or days after an event people start to uh, they may not realize it but they start to augment the story from what they actually saw to maybe fit in well, a specific narrative and it's interesting because it's like i said about the ammons demon house in gary indiana this was incredibly documented by uh like uh, first responders, cops, social workers, yet skeptics still say that this family did it to make money when this family has made no money. Right. Like, they are still poor in Gary, Indiana. So, you know, that that kind of, um, from, from, a t- from a scientific perspective. Right. I think most science, you, you would have to be able to produce like a video <laughs> of the dog being thrown against the wall. Right. And then, Even then they'll be like, yeah, Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, you can't well, trust anything on video or, or film anymore because it can be, you know, uh, shopped. Yeah. Not, ni- not in 1974. It couldn't. Supposedly <laughs> Hollywood was, I mean, that's yeah. why I don't, uh, that's yeah. why I have an issue with skeptics because you can find a reason, a against, reason yeah. against anything, but yet you don't have proof why that doesn't work either. Right. Right. I mean, it, but I guess any time that you have a story that you want other people to believe, the burden of proof is on you, the storyteller. Yes. So. Um, so tell us what's what Kurt said. Why why does he call it a hoax, a charade, uh, uh, you know, a ghost story? Yeah. Which, so, ha ha ha. So he said that um, the family's claims were possibly due to delusions, hallucinations or brain impairment. And advised that they submit themselves to psychiatric and psychological examinations. Now, what if uh, this fixer-upper had um, carbon monoxide, right? I mean, they weren't checking for that stuff back then. Or um, what's the other uh, asbestos? Yeah, or yeah, asbestos. That was in everything. Or heck, lead. Lead, lead paint. Sure, yep. sure. Yep. Oh, God, now I'm getting on the skeptic side. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, this... To me, this this next piece of information does not go to help the Smurl case. <laughs> um, but Jack Smurl told a newspaper reporter he had surgery to remove water from his brain in 1983 because he had been experiencing short-term memory loss due to a case of meningitis in his youth. So, that okay, w- right, but that's why I brought that up earlier. Okay, 
his his mother and his wife were having issues before he was. So that may justify any story that he may say. Right. Though at that point in 1983, this continued on until 1987, or technically 89 if you go into the other house. Right. Um, the removal of the water from the brain should have helped him. So he was still having issues. So Right. So um, Allentown psychologist Robert Gordon commented that people often look at demonology to explain many tensions that they may experience as individuals and within their family. So what I think what this is getting at is if you remember in the story it says they fell on hard times. Mm-hmm. So all you know, like they're 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 going along everything, you know, there's stuff happening here and there, but they're going along and things are just uh peaches and pears, you know, they're just <laughs> Well, let me let me tell you the skeptical side of me uh says this. To add to that, being someone that professionally deals with relationships with people on an ongoing basis, you would not believe the amount of, uh, and maybe would, that the trauma that people experience mm-hmm. in their life, uh, not just the physical, but the emotional and spiritual trauma, sure, uh, that could lead you to believe that you are seeing things that you are experiencing things that maybe aren't necessarily there. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case here, but uh, listen, from a personal experience, I can tell you when I was a kid, I hated getting shots. What kid likes to get shots? Yeah. Nobody likes to get shots. And I remember screaming my head off at the pediatrician thinking that I was going to die when I got this shot. It was all in my head. Right. I had ramped myself up so much emotionally that I literally believed that I would die if I got this shot when the shot was just like the flu shot, which is supposed to help me be healthy. <laughs> right. And so, you know, you take the relationship piece that they were down on their luck. At the time, really the only media, I mean, we didn't have the Internet. I mean, the military did, yeah. but it was print. And so when I look back here and I look at them selling these books you know, for me, that's the piece of me that's kind of skeptical about this is they fell on hard times. They wanted to believe these things. Maybe they talked themselves into it in this particular situation. And then they wrote books about it. And, and you know what? It makes sense to bring in the Warrens mm-hmm. because of the Amityville situation, because of their authority. Um, but really? Did it happen? I mean, none of us know. We here, weren't there. Here, here's what I'll counter with, and we talked about this in our Amityville episode. Um, Brad and I did. I have an issue with skeptics continuously using the fact that because someone had a book, therefore it's invalid. And I'm not saying that's what you said. Sure. sure. But uh, I'm going to tell you right now, if I had an instance happen to me and someone offered me a book deal, and all of a sudden I'm going to make a lot of money, I am absolutely going to say yes. We are Americans. We are all about making money, regardless what it is. And I will, I'm not going to say, no, 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 I don't want the skeptics to think I'm not real. I'm going to say, oh, you're offering me $250,000 immediately in royalties afterwards just to tell my story? Yes, please. Also, there's a part of me that believes in ghosts and believes in everything. So I want people to see this, right? Um, The last thing I'm going to do is endanger my family. 
Um, a lot of these things like Amityville and this, they were bruised. They were hurt. I mean, they were getting hurt. They were getting thrown. They're traumatized. Why in hell would I put my family through this just on the very slim hope that the media might pick it up and turn into a book and movie deal and make me millions of dollars, right? It, you know how far-fetched that is? It's the same thing. It's like thinking that every actor is going to be famous, right? It doesn't happen that way. Right. So th- why would you put your family through that on a hope and a prayer? Well, in this, you know, keeping in mind, too, that this started in 74, it finished in 89. So that's 15 years. Yeah. That's a long way to uh, stick with a, a narrative for the purpose of financial gain. Yeah. Because, I mean, it wasn't even until, uh, you know, like 84, 85 or something when Ed and Lorraine showed up. I mean, they lived with it for a very, very long time before they even said anything. So I don't know. Just I just wanted to play the other side of that. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. You know, because sure. it, it's 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 the most common skeptic complaint is that these famous cases, since they made any money off of that, though most yeah. of them are broker than broke now. Uh, you know that that's that's why. Yeah. Any any time you you have an experience for which you make monetary gain. It's perceived to be lesser of an experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do the same thing with um, any priest, preacher, any religious person that makes money. We automatically look down on them. Right. We're saying, oh, they're just in it for the money, right? I mean, we do the same thing. It just happens. And but I mean, at the end of the day, people got to make a living. Um, but yeah, I want to continue on here uh, because the uh, Roman Catholic Church had something to say about this. Right. So the Diocese of Scranton said that they were unsure what might be causing the disturbances. So they believe that disturbances were happening. Uh, St. Bonaventure University theology professor Alphonsus Trebold said that there might be other less demonic explanations um, because the home was blessed by several priests and they didn't see anything. But Janet claimed an unidentified priest performed three unsuccessful exorcisms and that the demon avoided the rites by moving between the double block home and following the family to other locations. In 1986, a priest from the local diocese, which we talked about earlier, this one, he said nothing happened when he stayed there for two nights. So what, you know, who, who, who's to say what's right, what's wrong? I mean, we've seen uh, if you've followed any real documentation of real exorcists, there's one on Father. Um, uh, I can't think of what his name is. He's a real exorcist. The guy that actually directed the exorcist movie just did a, a documentary on him. Uh, Father Amort, okay. um, and they are he's he he demons like to go back into the same body after they've been exercised. He's had to exercise this one woman like eleven times. Wow, um, she and it was gone. It was gone, but then it found its way back when you know different things like that. So, mm. well, <coughs> sorry, Thorny. You uh, yeah, I was just going to say. I this is one of the things I find interesting is that. Um, when we look at the church, the Diocese of Scranton, that we're able to see um, a name, Alphonsus Trebold, uh, right. OFM here, that there could be, as you said, other less demonic explanations. And that um, they're able to identify these people by name. But then Janet says that there was an unidentified priest. Right which there is no identification for. So I could see where skeptics even would come in on this and say, yes, we have this side who is documented. We know who they are. We can go to these people. Sure. We can 
ask them questions. We can interrogate them, if you will, and ask them what was their experience. But then you have this, quote, unidentified priest. That's where it gets a little It does, but, uh, you know, like to play devil's advocate, ha, ha, ha. Um, How many times have you been in a situation and then it was over and you were like, crap. I didn't write anything down. I oh, didn't. Sure. You didn't. Th- you don't think to do that stuff when you're in the moment until years later. You're like, God, I wish I had written everything down. I'm listening to a podcast right now called Bardstown, and it takes place mm-hmm. in Bardstown, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mother of one of the people that uh, died or was missing, she's like, I wish I had thought to ask. I wish I had done this. I wish I had written this down. I wish I had known, you know, my daughter had said she had hid these papers. I wish I had asked her where those were because hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure. Well, and, you know, the, it talks about here that um, when the uh, un- unnamed uh, priest came in to do the exorcisms, the demon avoided the rites by moving between the double block home and following the family to other locations. So, if in 86, when the priest from the local diocese came and spent two nights, if the family left the house... The demon may have followed. Followed, right. Sure. sure. Or like we said earlier, could have just said, nope, I ain't giving you what you want. So. But yeah, let's wrap this up. What else have we got? Yep. So um, in uh, 86, uh, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. They decided that um, they'd had too much with the medium bombardment. And um, they basically, you know, they, they wrote the book. And then they decided to, um, to 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 leave the house. So, uh, you know, uh, kind of a note here about the book. Uh, so there's a reviewer on here. I don't know, you know, if this is a professional review or if it's some random person on sure. Amazon. <laughs> but uh, or not Amazon at the time, obviously. But so reviewer In Mary- the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Beth German, as I'm assuming how that's pronounced, uh, wrote that the book was poorly written, adding that it is hard to conceive of a supposedly sophisticated object, excuse me, objective, and as far as I know, at least until now, credible reporter like Curran taking their story seriously, given the complete lack of any empirical or physical evidence to support it. I, I will say as someone who has read this book multiple times, it is not poorly written. It's it's nonfiction. <laughs> I mean, it's written from that perspective. Yeah. So, well, and in you know, again, it, d- media circus and everything. Um, here's an opportunity for, and, and maybe this is not an opportunity necessarily for the Smurls to monetize. Maybe this is an opportunity for the Smurls to get their voice heard. Sure, but this is maybe an opportunity for Curran or. or and you know, there are skeptics that say that Ed and Lorraine Warren used these stories as a way to propel their own stardom. Um, because they are usually behind pushing books and things like that, which, but according to Lorraine, you know, before she passed away, it was always as a way to get her name out there for people that needed help. So, I mean, it's all about perspective. So it goes on to say here that in the same year, so this again is in 86, um, that a pastor of the Immaculate Conception Parish in West Pitson, where I was born and raised. Reverend, Reverend Joseph Adon, Adonizio. Adonizio. There you go. Adonizio. Hey! 
I got to get to some meatballs. Anyway, so said the Smurls felt that after intense prayers, things were back to normal. In 1987, Janet Smurl told reporters that they still heard knocking and saw shadows. After the Smurl family moved to Wilkes Bar, Deborah Owens moved into the former Smurl home in 88 and told reporters that she never encountered anything supernatural while living there. Can I just say, no. (laughs) (laughs) That is a brave woman. Oh, it's the, like the same people who bought the Amityville house. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, like, right. bully for you, man. Well, um, one thing I'll drop before we kind of do our, our wrap up here is uh, there's also a really, really bad cheesy TV movie um, called The Haunted. It was, um, it's it's really bad, so don't watch it. It's on YouTube, though. <laughs> if you like really bad movies, then you should watch it. I guess. Yes. Um, I like bad movies, and this is just horrible. Um, but yeah, so what's everybody's kind of thoughts on this? You know, what are what are your final thoughts on the Smurl haunting? Real, not real? You know, what do you think? So for me, uh, I, I'm still hesitant here. I'm still a little bit skeptical. Maybe, listen, I, I know supernatural things happen. Uh, they just do. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the thing that I keep going back to is just the whole frenzy media circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything coming around this and um, how we have names of people uh, who have uh, with these particular Catholic churches who have said, yes, you know, I've gone in here and, you know, again, less demonic explanations. So this is what I'll say in the end here to kind of conclude where I'm at is could it? Maybe, maybe not. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you say it's a matter of perspective Mm -hmm. it really is um i think it uh, obviously this family had something happen to them that drove them to talk about these things whether it was something demonic something spiritual or something that was relationship driven for them who knows yeah or Uh, the classic group hysteria yeah group hysteria you know absolutely so i remain skeptical so Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so I, I think I have to relate with uh, Thorny on this one as well because th- to me there's just too many, again, um, you know, the whole thing with the fixer-upper, electrical problems, EM fields, all that kind of good stuff. <clears throat> you know, I, I would say that probably um, I'm I'm leaning, I guess, if I were to, to, to lean one side or the other, I'm leaning towards the possibility of it actually being a haunting but but there is that strong skeptic voice that keeps popping in my head and saying well what if it was this and what mm-hmm. if it was that so yeah of course for me I I it's a whole family you know um, with the Amityville horror and I compare these two a lot because these are my two favorite hauntings um, I actually am more willing to believe this one than Amityville uh, George Lutz was a huckster I mean he was he was just that guy. I met him when I was 13, and he, he's just that guy. But the Smurls, I've seen interviews with them. I mean, they are just normal, everyday people that this whole family just was affected by this, and they just talk about it. There was no abuse in the family like the like the Lutzes. There was a yeah. lot of abuse um, and things like that. This didn't happen here. They were a very tight-knit, loving Christian family, and like 
for this to happen to them and them to stand firm and to just oh, tears well up in their eyes when they think about it, I, I have to say, yeah, I believe this 99.9%. Um, just through the stuff we've researched and seen, yep. this is very possible. Is it what they think it is? Not, I don't know. I mean, hell, I mean, we've been talking a lot that maybe these shadow creatures are actually aliens. Right, Who knows? Right. I mean, they we don't know what these things are. And especially as a non-Christian, for me to uh, say demon almost implies I have to believe in, in that aspect yeah. because I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in demons and things like that. But what is it? What What is yeah, it? Yeah, so I mean, on that aspect, I will agree. They, they definitely went through something. Mm-hmm. Um, just what was the cause of that something? I don't I haven't really settled on yet. You know, I, I will say that, too. I'll, I'll agree with Josh. They definitely experienced something. Again, it's just a matter of perspective. Right. Well, speaking of experiencing, I want to get into this listener story. Uh, this one comes from Nathan Robertson. This is another one that I found on Haunted Kentucky. Um, but I want to get into this because we're running out of time. So I want to get into this listener story real quick. Haven't told much people of my encounter with the Bell Witch of Tennessee. If you did, then you already know about it. My encounter was at the age of 15. The Bell Witch comes as a little girl or black dog. My friend of the family and boss of my parents when they worked for him in tobacco, you see, his wife gave me the book on the Bell Witch of Tennessee. I read about it and wanted to go there, so he took us to the place. We went and we looked around and we saw the school and the houses and even tried to go in the cave, but the rain had flooded it. I met one of the kinfolk of John Bell. You see, the curse is still around there and hear stuff still. Then we went to play and a guy who works there told us, if you guys see a black dog that comes out of there every year to see people that visits our land, run. Well, we went and saw the play about the Bell Witch and it began. And we immediately saw a black dog walking around looking at all the people. It came walking by me and then by my mother and my stepfather, then by our friend who pulled its tail. And it stopped and its head turned around just like the exorcist and gave an evil look. Now most dogs will try to bite or bark, but it didn't do any of that. It went walking off and we didn't see that dog again. After we got out of the play and went walking to the truck, I was looking for that dog. And I was like, wow. We left shocked. So, yeah, he talked about the Bell Witch. I mean, the Bell Witch, we covered on this show before and um, some crazy stuff. It's actually the first time I've heard about the Black Dog. We didn't cover the Black Dog when I talked about this with, I think, Ed and I did this. Um, But, yeah, very, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, Remember, you can send your listener stories to fearscapepodcast at gmail.com. But we got to get out of here. But, Thorny, thank you. Thank you yep. so much for joining us. Oh, thank so you much. guys. Thanks for having me here, guys. Yeah, please. You are welcome anytime. Um, this is all we do is just debate. So yep. <laughs> I love we love having a third person that brings a different perspective. Yep. Um, but yeah, we got to get out of here. Uh, so uh, you got any goodbyes before you go? No, just thank you. And everybody, thanks for listening. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's get out of here. Uh, this has been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Make sure to hold those blankets extra tight. Good night, folks. Good night.